Well, I want to welcome you to Crafted Week 3, and if we haven't met before, I'm Ashley, and I'm the senior pastor here, and when you trust in Jesus, it's like Christmas morning. You run up to the tree, you see a big bag of gifts, and it's like Santa's sack, you just grab it and open up the first thing on top, and you're like, this is salvation. It's new life in Jesus. It's amazing. Come on. It means we're saved, we're healed, we're delivered, we're prospered, we're set free, we're made whole. Come on. And we get so excited about that gift that we just start running around like, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go live my life now. This is amazing. But we want to go back to that bag and say, what else do you have for me, Jesus? There are, there are more gifts handcrafted by God for you just waiting to be unwrapped. Gifts from God himself. And that's what we're talking about in this series. All the different gifts that he gives us, not because of what we do, but because of who he is. But because he loves us. Because he's a good, good father who loves to bless his kids. Come on. The goal of this series is to take out all those gifts and just operate in the way that he intended, to realize he has more for us and receive everything that he gives. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves from the gifts. We're like, I don't know though if all of those gifts are for me. Like maybe they're for someone else. Maybe they're for the special people, some mature people. Maybe, you know, you don't know what I've done or where I've been. And, you know, it can't possibly be mine. But the thing is, we don't have to double check the tag. God says, they're yours because I love you. I remember as a kid accidentally opening up a gift. I think it was about seven. It was a gift my dad had for my mom. And I opened it up and it was some lingerie. <laughs> and it was super awkward. And that will scar you and it will make you double check tags for the rest of your life. But I'm telling you with God, these gifts have everyone's name on them. He's not going to embarrass you. He doesn't give weird gifts. The gifts are not about us at all. They're about him. They're about the giver. He is God. He is three in one. They're about showing the whole world who he is. They're about empowering us to live the life that he created us for. They're handcrafted to us. Yes, they're unique. They're special. They're thoughtful because he's a good giver. But like any good gift, they really tell us more about the giver than they do about ourselves. They're not about us. They're about him. And just like when you get a Christmas gift, maybe from your spouse or your friend and you're like look everybody look what my husband got me look what my mom got me isn't it so nice you're, you're proud of it you're proud that they care about you we do the same thing with God's gift we're like look what God gave me if he heals you tell people about it it's a gift for you don't be silent don't be embarrassed don't be nervous He's a generous father. He gives us every good and perfect gift. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And then God the Son, Jesus, he gave his life so that we could have a relationship with God. And then he sends us the Holy Spirit. And then God the Holy Spirit, he's the third part. We don't talk about him as much, but he's just as important. And if you didn't get to listen to week one, you should go back and check it out. But basically, we talked about his nature, that he's the gift, he's the comforter, he's the convincer, our guide, he's the confirmation and the giver of gifts. Come on. And as we look at him, 
we see his nature and all the qualities of what he gives, really, it tells us who he is. When Jesus walked the earth, he was fully God. He had the Holy Spirit in him and he was fully man, which means in his earthly form, he could only be in one place at one time. And he said to his disciples in John 16, 7, the fact of the matter is that it's best for you that I go away. For if I don't, the comforter won't come. If I do, he will, for I'll send him to you. So his disciples are like, Jesus, we love you. We don't want you to go. Stick around, man. They didn't know what he was talking about at the time. They didn't know that he was saying, I need to go so that I can give you the gift of salvation so that I can go to the cross for you and take on all the places you fall short, so that I could give you my righteousness. It will be a gift. They didn't know that he was saying, I need to leave so I can send the Holy Spirit to you, empowerment to live. If I don't leave, I can't send him. And the Holy Spirit is everywhere all at once, and he's in you. Jesus was right. It was better for him to leave so he could send us the gift the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, he doesn't come empty-handed. He comes bearing gifts. He's like, here I am. If you need a miracle, I've got it. If you need faith, here you go. You need a healing, I've got it for you. He gives us what we need when we need it through his power that's at work within us. His power in us. And he gives us these gifts for our benefit and our blessing, but also to serve other people, to help other people, to give his power to other people. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Earnestly desire the gifts. My kids, they're really excited about Christmas and they've got big Christmas lists and lots of gifts they are really desiring. I think they've been talking about them like every day in November and December. I can't wait to get this for Christmas. Is it Christmas yet? I'm counting down the days. That's how God wants us to desire his gifts. Like a child, eagerly expecting and desiring the good things that he gives. And there are nine gifts that are the most helpful gifts. We're going to be looking at those over the next three weeks. Last week, Jacques talked to us about seven gifts that are specific to different people. Let's give it up for Jacques. Thank you for preaching the word to us. Maybe you learned last week that you have the gift of worship or service or giving or encouragement or hospitality or administration or mercy. God gave you those gifts to empower you. God gave you those gifts to give away. And at family night, we had so much fun this week discovering our gifts. If you didn't get a chance to do that with us, we have our gift discovery tool at the info desk. You can pick up a copy after this experience and just start to dive into who has God made me to be? What gifts has he given me at this point in time and this moment and this season? And start to unwrap those gifts for yourself. You know, your gifts are not just for at church. They're not just for one hour on Sunday morning, but they're for your everyday eating, sleeping, walking around, and going to work life. I have a friend who's coming from Florida in a few weeks to speak at our next family night. It's uh, Wednesday, December uh, 14th at 6.30 p.m. And I'm really excited about that, but I asked him to come because he knows the Holy Spirit so well. And he regularly sees people healed and set free and restored and the cool thing about him is that he, he doesn't work at a church. He's planted in a church, yes, but he works a blue-collar job. 
He's a normal person who knows Jesus and has received his spirit and simply gives it away. So I want to tell you, gifts are not just for some people. They're for everyone. And your gifts are not something you have to strive to remember to do. It's not like, oh, I found out I have this gift on Wednesday. And now, like every day, I'm like, oh, I better use it. If I don't, I don't know what happened. No, no, no. That's religion. The gifts are natural for you. If you have the gift of encouragement, you probably use it all the time. You don't even realize it. Gifts are not something that we earn. They're just given. We receive them from God. And the most helpful gifts that we're talking about, they're not specific to any one person. They're available to everyone who believes in Jesus. So they are faith, healings, miracles, words of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And I know that sounds like a lot, but we're going to unpack those together. He says, earnestly desire these gifts. If you don't know what they are, it's kind of difficult to desire them. Like, I don't know. Do I want that? I, I've never heard of it. It's like half the thing on my kid's Christmas list. My son wants Beyblade for Christmas. I'm like, cool, what's that? My daughter really wants Pokemon. And I've, I've never gotten into Pokemon, so I don't know what you do with it. I don't know what those things are, so I'm not super interested in them for myself. And in the same way, it's possible that we look at spiritual gifts like that, where we're like, uh, I don't know, you know, what else is in the gift bag? We're going to spend time today looking at it. We're talking about dynamic gifts today, faith, healings, and miracles. Dynamic gifts. Tell the person next to you they're dynamic. dynamic. Yes. And they're dynamic Jesus calls them that in his final words to his disciples before he goes to heaven. It's Luke 24, 49. He says, Behold, I am sending upon you the gift promised by my Father. Therefore, stay here in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. I love it. He's like, all right, guys, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you a gift. You need to stay here and wait in the city to receive it. And I think the disciples were probably like we are when we shop online, like, ooh, what's the tracking number? When is it coming? Oh my gosh, it's in my city. I can't wait till it arrives here. Did anybody do any Cyber Monday shopping this week? I have a picture of some of our Cyber Monday packages. <laughs> my husband saw that this morning. He's like, whoa, I didn't realize that all that stuff was in those boxes. I'm like, yeah, we got some good deals. I think if I was the disciples, I would be like, what's the tracking number? I can't wait for the promised gift of power. But I love so much that we live in the time we do where Jesus is already in heaven with God. He already sent the Holy Spirit. And we don't have to wait. We don't have to like keep checking the tracking. He's here. All we do is receive him. So how does that work? When we trust in Jesus, he comes to live in us and we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And in week one, we talked about it's one thing to have the Spirit of God in you, but it's another to be baptized in the Spirit. It's one thing to have access to the gift. It's another to unwrap it and open it up and experience it. So in this series, we're asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. We want to experience all that he has for us, everything that he wants to do in us, and what he wants to do through us. So Jesus says, wait, I'm going to send you the gift. And he's got power when he comes. And the Greek word there for power is dunamis. And we're going to put it on the screen for you. It's the same word that we get dynamite from. 
Jesus is like, I'm sending you the dynamite. Wait for the power. This is the same power that overshadowed the Virgin Mary when she became pregnant with baby Jesus. That power. It's the same power that Jesus talked about in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He says, you will receive power so you can tell people all about me. You're not going by yourself. You're going because I send you. Paul calls, calls it God's mighty power at work within us. In Ephesians 3.20, he says, Glory to God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. He's the power source. The Bible says that we are the temple. He is the spirit who fills us. We are the jars of clay. He is the brightness within us. We are the instrument. He's the musician. And his power is made perfect in our humanity. He says, actually, my power works best in weakness. When the Holy Spirit fills you, he fills you with power. Colossians 1.29. That's why I work so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I love it. He's saying, I do what I can do, but I depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in me. The Holy Spirit is our guide, like we learned in week one. He's our guide that's within us. He empowers us to do what we cannot do. We do what we can do, and his power does what we cannot. Jesus said in John 14, 12, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and, and there are a lot of good works. I mean, have you read the Bible? It's, it's amazing what Jesus did. And they will do even greater things than these. Even greater things than Jesus? Yes. Even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He says, whoever believes in me. Whoever. Everyone, anyone, not just specific people. Whoever believes in Jesus will do what he did and greater things because of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Because of the Holy Spirit, we've got the power. Goes, I've got the power. Okay, John, give it to me. Oh, is he over in kids' worship? Come on. He can sing it much higher. I want you to think about that when you walk around in your life. I've got the power. I've got the power within me. I've got the power. Oh, fear? No, no, no. I've got the power. This situation I'm about to enter into, this hard season, I've got the power. Come on. I've got the power. Tell the person next to you, I've got the power. You want to try to sing it to the person next to you? Oh, yeah. Nice. We have the power. But sometimes we live like we have no power. And it's so important for us to know who we are in Jesus. If you know who you are and you know what you have and you know where you're going, you're not going to freak out when life gets crazy. Come on. Because of his power in me, I have a spring in my step. I have a smile on my face because I have a different hope. It doesn't mean life isn't hard. There are hard times. There are times we will face more than we can handle. But that's where God's power makes up for what we lack. Matthew 5, 3, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. This is Jesus talking. He says, with less of you, there is more of God and his rule. That word rule is translated as power. 
With less of you, there is more of God's power. That's a good place to be. We have power from God. We have hope because of living hope within us. We have peace because of the Prince of Peace. And we carry all of this around every day within us. Maybe you didn't realize it. Maybe the people around you don't see it. You've got the power and it goes wherever you go. And that power is demonstrated through spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, the same spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. The Holy Spirit is the giver. He gives us gifts of faith, healings, and miracles. We don't own these gifts. He gives them to us in moments and situations to serve people and to draw attention to God, to bring glory to God, to reveal who he is. A gift of faith does not mean that you always have faith in every moment and you never doubt and you're just perfect. No, no, no. More than likely, you'll have supernatural confidence in a specific situation. Uh, in 2001, around the time of the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan in August, you know, right before 9-11 happened, there were these missionary ladies who were telling people about Jesus. And, you know, the Taliban, they really didn't like that. So they captured these women and they held them prisoner. And these women were finally rescued in November of that year. So they spent several months as prisoners of the Taliban. Their, their names were Dana Curry and Heather Mercer. And, you know, later when they were talking about being prisoners, they had two very different experiences. I mean, they were with each other through all the things, but it was completely different. Heather had all the fear and anxiety and worry that any of us would have if we were prisoners. But Dana, she found herself just surrounded by an amazing level of calm and confidence and a supernatural peace for most of the time. And she said, you know, I just had peace and actually I'm going through way more stress right now in America than I ever did in prison, which is crazy to me. But you know what? Dana just received the gift of faith. She wasn't better or more holy than Heather. She just opened up that gift the Holy Spirit gave her for that moment, and she shared it with her friend. Right. Now, I don't know why God didn't give both of them the gift. Maybe he thought only one of them needs it, and that's enough for both of them. But there wasn't something wrong with the woman who didn't have the gift of faith. If you're stressed, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. We're going to be talking about this more in our January series. It's all about anxiety, and we're going to call it denoise. It's going to be really helpful and be a lot of breakthrough for a lot of people. But maybe in your life, in a moment of crisis or need, you felt peace. Everything's going to be okay. And you're like, I don't know why I feel so calm. And people are looking at you like, are you okay? You should be freaking out right now. And you're like, I know. I can't explain it. It's a gift of faith. You receive it from the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter, and faith comes from him. Jesus displayed the gift of faith when he and the disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee in a big storm. Mark 4:36 says a huge storm came up. Waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. And Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping. They roused him, saying, Teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going to drown? This is so funny. Jesus is completely at rest. There's literally water going in the boat. I don't know how he's not waking up. He's probably getting wet. 
Think of how much the boat had to be moving. One time my husband Jay and I were sailing the Thousand Islands region when we were teenagers and I just remember there was like this one or two hour time frame where the waves were like, ooh, and where my stomach was like, ooh. And basically, you know, by the time we got to shore, I realized I was seasick, you know, everything's spinning. And I had tried to lay down and relax in the boat, but I couldn't. It was like, if I lay down, I would get sicker, but not Jesus. He's like, I got peace. I've got supernatural faith. And he's here with experienced fishermen. These are guys who do this every day. These are guys who have seen storms. I mean, come on, these are manly men. This is nothing new to them. It's probably like deadliest catch, you know? But they're still freaking out. They're like, Jesus, we're gonna die. Do something. Verse 39, awake now, he told the wind to pipe down. He said to the sea, quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath. The sea became smooth as glass. I love that. Jesus had supernatural faith. He had faith that had no doubts. He had the ability to believe what God says, believe who he was because of God. It was faith that results in releasing God's power for more. The gift of faith is what then led him to act and to speak to the wind and the waves and for a miracle to happen. Faith is the bridge from the unseen to the seen. It's from what we know to be true by faith to what we actually see by sight. Faith is how we access what Jesus already did at the cross, how we access the power we already have and the promises that he's already given us. Maybe you're going through a difficult situation right now and you need faith. Ask the Holy Spirit for faith. He gives good gifts. Next, we're going to look at the gift of healings. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 says, The same Spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Now, in the Greek, this word healing is actually plural, the gift of healings, because there are many forms of healing, just like there are many forms of sicknesses and uh, brokenness and disease. You know, there's physical restoration, there's emotional healing from trauma, there's healing from a broken heart or healing of unforgiveness, there's creative healings where people are born with, you know, body limbs missing and they just grow. When Jesus died at the cross, he took on all our sickness and our diseases so that we could have access to healing through him. Many years ago here at Hope, there was a guy with really thick glasses back in the day. And you know what? God healed his sight. And he never needed his glasses again. That's so cool. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Now, here's the thing. I still have glasses, okay? But remember from week one, the Holy Spirit is the confirmation. When the truth about Jesus is preached, he's using healing to affirm who God is. A gift of healing happens when you pray for someone and the Holy Spirit within you heals them. So how do you unwrap this gift? Pray for people. It's pretty simple. Pray for people. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead with three words. He said, John eleven forty three, Lazarus, come forth. Maybe you're nervous, like, what words do I say? Jesus made it real simple. You can't mess it up. You're the vessel. He's the power. We don't have the power to begin with. Another time, he prayed for a blind man. The man opened his eyes, and Jesus is like, can you see? And he's like, I see people. They look like trees. Jesus is like, okay, let's pray for you again. He prayed, and he was healed. If you don't see healing the first time you pray, keep praying. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. 
We've got the power. Speak to your problem using the Holy Spirit power within you. I shared a story this summer about praying for my daughter, Sophie. She's seven. She came into my office with chest pain. And normally I would go to Google and be like, what is this? I'm like a super mom with Google and WebMD and all the other things. But I was like, no, no, no. This is not our portion. We have authority over whatever this thing is. So I just said, pain in the name of Jesus, leave and body be restored. I said, does it still hurt, honey? Walk around, see if you feel better. She's like, yeah, it hurts a little. I'm like, all right, let's pray for it again. Jesus prayed twice. I'm going to pray again. And so, you know, I asked her, does it hurt now? And she's like, no, not anymore. I'm like, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And I said, if it starts to hurt again, you can come back to my office and I'll pray for you. Or better yet, you can just pray yourself. You can just speak to it yourself. You have the same power. You have life and death in your tongue. And that power, it's his power within us. We're just the receivers and the givers. Mark 16, 17 says, these signs will accompany those who believe. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. These signs will accompany those who believe. Who? Those who believe. That's us. It's not special people, it's us. All people who believe. People who trust in Jesus. We will place our hands on sick people and they'll get well. We take action and give God's power an opportunity to be displayed through him. Healing tangibly demonstrates the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus prayed, you know, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And being healed here, we want everybody to experience what God has for them in heaven. They can experience it now through his power. Jesus has come to set us free and restore us to fullness of life, life to the full. A few years ago, my dad went in for a heart catheterization. They're like, your arteries are 99% blocked, so we got to put a stint in there to expand things. And we prayed for him a lot. And then uh, on the day of his procedure, they do some sort of chest scan, and they're like, this is so crazy. Your heart grew all these extra veins around it so the blood could bypass the blockage, so you actually don't need the catheterization. You're healed. That's normal. That's what he does. Healing still happens today because of God's power. His power is how Jesus healed people when he was a human. Luke 5, 17, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. It was the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Doesn't mean every time you pray for someone, they'll be healed, but there's always that chance. Why not pray for everyone who's sick around you? It's not the least you could do, it's the most you could do. They'll feel honored that you care about them. And watch what happens when God shows up. He knows what he's doing. Remember, there's no pressure on you. You're just the vessel, the instrument, the carrier of his spirit. Be willing to say, I'll pray for you, and let God do what he does. I want to take the pressure off of you and say there were times that even Jesus was not able to do some miracles. Sometimes there are other factors that are outside of your control. Mark 6, 5 says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Even Jesus didn't bat, bat 100%, but it's okay. It's all right. 
Pray for people and trust God to do what he does. And then when he heals you, celebrate that. Come on, give him the glory. When you're sick, always pray for yourself. Always have the people around you pray for you. And then pray for other people. Jesus said children, sorry, Jesus said healing is the children's bread. He's saying, I love the faith of a child. And it's so simple. And you know what? Healing is just like giving bread to a child. It's, it's just the most basic thing. Here you go. I want you to have it. It's for you. It's your portion. You don't have to settle for being sick. You can receive it with childlike faith. Part of our salvation is healing. And we see it happen through faith when we pray. And at the end of today's message, I'm going to give you the opportunity, like I do every week, to receive prayer from our prayer team and to give God the opportunity to work through people to heal you or to heal someone that you know. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. I went to them at 9 a.m. and asked for prayers for my son because he was throwing up last night. Always ask for prayer when you're sick. You don't have to settle. So we've talked about the gift of faith, the gift of healings, and now last one is gift of miracles. 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, he gives one person the power to perform miracles. And this word miracle here in the Greek is that same word for power again. It's dunamis, dynamite, mighty power beyond human explanation. It's saying he gives one person the power to perform power, dynamite, amazing things, divine intervention that alters our circumstances. I love it so much. God is the same. He's never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. He did miracles in the Old Testament. He did them in the New Testament. He's still doing it today in this house. Don't be surprised when he does that. Expect it from him. Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves, and they were still. That's a miracle. It's something a human can't do, but God can through his power at work within us. We don't have the power to save people from sin like Jesus did, but he said we could do everything that he did and greater things. He said that. A few weeks ago, we had that crazy snow squall, you know, on Sunday morning, and I looked at the weather forecast. I walked outside at 8 a.m., and it said it was supposed to go till 1230. And I'm like, no, 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 this cannot happen today. People of hope need to get to church. And so I walked out and I told the snow and the wind to leave in Jesus' name. And I asked our staff to believe with me. And all I can say is that the snow stopped before the second experience, before it was supposed to. Why not ask God? Why not use our faith? Why not activate our power? What if God is looking for men and women who are willing to take him at his word with the faith of a child? We have the faith that says, God, I trust you. I believe you. I'm not afraid. I love you. You're my good father. If we can trust him with our eternity, we can trust him with our day to day. Jesus performed another miracle when he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. It's in John 6, 5. He looked out and saw a large crowd had arrived. He said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? And he said this to stretch Philip's faith. I love that so much about Jesus. Where is he stretching your faith? He already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, 
There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. That's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. So the disciples are like, okay, so um, all of you thousands of people, we're not going to send you away to restaurants for dinner. We want you to go ahead and sit down. We actually have this brown bag lunch from a little boy, so don't worry, we've got enough food for everyone. You know, the people are probably asking questions like we do, like, what's going on? What do you mean? What's on the menu? You know, I have dietary restrictions. Maybe their kids are going crazy, you know, like, I'm starving, feed me, I'm only two. Maybe some people weren't even paying attention. It's literally thousands of people. Jesus is like, make them sit down. And the disciples did it. Even though they didn't know what was going to happen, they just said, okay, Jesus, you said to do it, we'll do it. When it comes to miracles, if God asks you to take a step of faith, to do something, just do it. I love that lady today. When was she healed? When she started lifting her hands up to worship God. She took a step of faith. Your small step could be the start of unwrapping a gift from God. Verse 11, there was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus took the bread, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. And when the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers so nothing's wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. Everyone had as much as they wanted and they had leftovers. God is generous like that. And at the same time, Jesus made sure none of it went to waste. He's like, hey guys, pick up the leftovers in the baskets. When God trusts you with something, don't waste it. Don't waste it. We had the same sort of multiplication miracle happen here a few years ago at the Hullabaloo. We got to the last show and we had a ton of kids and a little candy, you know, and we had promised, when you come to the hullabaloo, each kid gets a giant bag of candy. And we're like, oh shoot, we have not enough candy for everybody. Maybe a piece for everyone, not a bag. And so we took the candy that we had and we went upstairs in the balcony and we started distributing it among other bags. And we prayed over it and we're like, Jesus, you gotta do a miracle, please multiply this so we have enough candy for all the kids. And by the end of that, Every kid had a bag, and we had some left over. The power to see a miracle happen is available to everyone who follows Jesus, to bring glory to his name, to bless people, to show them our good God. And it's available to you. You think about it, if only a few special people could make miracles happen and you needed a miracle, you'd be in a lot of trouble if you couldn't get to the special people. Healings and miracles, they're plural because there's plenty of them available to everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who has a personal relationship with him. Without a relationship to the giver, without his love, these gifts mean nothing. They're amazing. We want to receive them. We want to open them. We want to enjoy them. We want to give them away. But don't miss the giver. What's the point of presence without love? If you've ever experienced an absent parent, you know, maybe growing up, your parent bought you tons of stuff, but all you really wanted was a relationship with them. 
you understand that the giver is the most important part. The gifts mean nothing without that relationship. And spiritual gifts, they're deposits of grace from God who is grace. Without him, they have no power. He is the power. The gifts are not a substitute for a relationship with him. They're a vibrant part of enjoying and spending time with him, of getting to know him. And they're temporary. They're so temporary to this life. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, all the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. Now we know so little, even with our special gifts, and the preaching of those most gifted is still poor. You guys, my preaching is poor compared to what God has for you. But when we have been made perfect and complete, then the need for these inadequate special gifts will come to an end and they'll disappear. He's saying love goes on forever but the gifts will cease. Open them up. Use them while you have the opportunity. Walk in the power that God freely gives you. Remember, you've got the power. Remember, you have access to it because of Jesus. Don't miss out. Don't live a powerless life. But most importantly, get to know the giver. Experience his love moment by moment and day to day. His love is what lasts until eternity. His love never fails. It's a love that's simply received. It's the best gift. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He's a giver who gave us Jesus simply because he loves us. 